Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. So Zephaniah and, and Haggai is a very interesting couple of books of the Bible. They're not really related, exactly. Um, they're kind of two different parts. Zephaniah kind of wraps up the whole idea of Israel when they were in captivity, Babylonian captivity and things like that. Haggai, or ha- you could say Haggai, but that's not really, it, the best way I could pronounce it is Haggai. It, 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 get that in there, you know what I'm saying? So, you, 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 in, in that book of the Bible, it's the first prophetic voice after captivity. So it's very interesting. We're coming out of this, all this time period that's going on, and we're going into now after captivity with him. And then you're going to see the next couple of weeks when I start preaching again after the youth takeover, I wanted those two Sundays open for Zechariah and for Malachi because of what you're going to see Jesus begin to be profound. It's amazing when you start seeing how this is interwoven together. So Zephaniah and Haggai, the thing about when I read this, I thought about a, a traveling and taking a trip. And in our family, we take vacations every year. To do something, we get a cup, I get a, you know, I don't know how many weeks I get it per year. Um, but I try to take one with my family. Haley and I are actually getting one this year. We're doing, and um, so I try to, you know, do that where we can take some vacations together. And whether you have a lot of money or not, it doesn't matter. Uh, proof is in on this. Let me just say this before I go. If you have a family with kids, a vacation is important. It doesn't mean that you have to spend five, ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 on a vacation. Uh, it, it just means if you do something together, go somewhere together, even if it's inexpensive and you just get a, a hotel for 50 bucks a night somewhere that you can look at the lake, it, it doesn't matter. Stats have proven. Families that take some time together, uh, it builds strength and unity in the family. It, it just does. So figure it out. Do it. Don't overspend. Don't spend money you don't have. But take the time and do a vacation, okay? So when we do vacations, it's a crowd, like, now I know some of y'all got more kids than us. My friend Jason, they got so many kids, like, they don't even know where they at half the time. Like, you know, the kids everywhere. And it's weird to watch their kids getting older now, and two of them are out of high school. And I'm thinking, this is so strange, because we all used to take vacations. We all kids were young, we were all together. And now it's a couple of them getting older, mine's getting older. But when we travel, we put them all in the van, most time because it costs so much to fly. And um, we have, you know, five of us. So when you get... Five people in an airplane, you know, you start racking up the numbers. And I have a rule about traveling, and, this, and it's this, that if, if it's eight hours or less, I'm going to drive. And the reason why is because even though I live an hour and a half from the airport, actually hour and 15, you can't predict Atlanta traffic. That's like you never know what will happen. Um, and by the time you do that, it's a two-hour window to get there, in a sense, to prepare for traffic. Two hours before your flight, that's four hours. Typically a flight for anywhere around here, two-hour flights, so that's six hours. Then I got to rent a car, get out of the airport. You see what I'm saying? It starts adding up really quick. So for me, eight hours or less, we drive. And when we do, this is what we do. All my kids are so excited. Everybody's pumped except Haley because she's usually packing all their junk. And so she's exhausted at the first of the, <laughs> at the, first of the, the vacation. But the kids are pumped. They come running out to the car when it's time to go. They're actually in the car waiting. I have the, the, the engine's running. They're ready. Well, they're just so excited. I'm, and I used to fill up the night before. But I quit doing that because it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. I know by the time we get to Calhoun, we're stopping for a bathroom break. <laughs> so I don't even feel up anymore. I wait till we get to the racetrack in Calhoun. We get Dunkin' Donuts. Everybody goes to the restroom. I get some coffee. We're good. Let's go. So everybody's excited about that, except right about the time we get to the interstate, all of a sudden, the little one starts. Dad, 
are we there yet? <laughs> Baby, we're going to Florida. Like, Orlando, we, honey, we're not even close to being there yet. But, Dad, how much longer? You're going to have to watch about five movies. I don't know. And, and they start doing that. And then when you get close to the end, it never fails. We get to the place we're going. And I start saying, okay, guys, we're almost there. We're almost there. About 10, 15 minutes. I'm exhausted. Haley, you know, she's been exhausted from the packing and all that. So she's been able to sleep a little bit, but she's tired. We get there. As soon as we get there, they jump out of the car. They're going bananas. Well, how long is it? How long is it? All of a sudden, wah! they just run to wherever we're going. And I'm looking, going like, I'd love to do that too. But I look back in the van and I think, good gracious. I mean, these kids, I got clothes pack. We got to unpack all this stuff. So I know if I don't get it now, you know, it's just, to me, it's different. From them, the start is amazing. The middle is really, like, boring. And the end is amazing. And that's kind of like, don't you, I'm saying that because don't you, when you read these books, it's kind of like these guys in the Bible. Zephaniah and Haggai, they both have very similar things. They talk about places that are often overlooked. And that's the, the part that nobody likes is kind of like in the middle. Like, no one likes the middle of anything. Have you ever noticed that? Maybe set moon pies, but no one lacks the middle of pretty much anything else. You don't like the middle seat. When you get on an airplane, does anybody really just say, hey, I'll take the middle seat. I'll do it. No, no, you don't want it. I'll take it. No one wants the middle seat. No one wants the middle seat in a car. No one wants the middle seat. No one likes the middle of anything. And no matter what you go through, there's oftentimes a middle of something that you start. It's anybody can start something. Oh, I'm going to start a business. That's great. But anybody can start one. And then you know what? We all get excited at the end when someone wins or it's a championship or it's the final game of the season. Wow! But no one really gets that excited about the middle of the season when you're losing or something's not going your way because the middle is the toughest part. And so when we talk about the middle, Zephaniah says this in Zephaniah one twelve. He says, It will come about at that time that I will search Jerusalem with lamps and I will punish the men who are stagnant in spirit. Now think about that from a stagnant in spirit who they say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good or evil. Now, don't you think about this for a minute. Isn't it true that as Christians, we get really excited about this idea of Jesus coming back. We are so excited about Jesus coming back. The people say things like today would be a good day because they go through difficult seasons in life. And it's true. It is going to be a great thing when Jesus returns, but he hadn't done that yet. I mean, the guys in the Bible that he ministered to and gave his ministry to to go preach, the apostles, they even talked about the return of Jesus, how glorious it would be. And they started out amazing and strong and full of anointing and excitement. And everybody's, yeah, let's go, man, let's go reach people with the gospel. And we talk about the starts, which are great. We talk about the ends, which are great. But even in our culture right now, people are doing this. You've probably heard some version of this story. Well... People doing evil, they seem to just be getting away with it. How can people just stand for so many ungodly things in our nation and around the world and there not be any type of recourse for it? How can God stand back and watch the things that go on day after day after day that we all know are ungodly and they are not right and they are wrong and they are sinful and God just lets it go? And so people now are saying, well... You guys have been preaching like he's coming back one day. Where's the promise of this thing that you've been talking about? Because I can't tend to be getting away. Y'all talk about the Sodom and Gomorrah thing all the time, you bunch of Christians. Y'all so fearful. Nothing's happening. So people get emboldened in their practices of evil. And they think it doesn't matter because nothing's happening. 
And so they get further and further over to the point where God says, I will give them over to what? A reprobate mind. Because they think they're getting away with it, but they're going further and further into the depths of the trap, not even knowing it. Now, that's the side of evil. Seems like God's not doing anything. But watch this. This is what I hear from Christians. I do a lot of good things. I've served God. I've been faithful. You talk about generosity, Pastor. I, I've been faithful in my tithes and offerings. I'm faithful. I serve. I do a number of good things for God. But I don't see this blessing that all of you Christians been talking about for years. Where's the thing that God said he was going to do for us who we, as Christians, as people of faith, serve him faithfully? I'm not brag. I'm not saying I got it all together. I'm just saying God, I do the stuff that you talk about. Where is that good stuff that you've been talking about that God says in the Bible? So on one side, we got God over here. We're saying the evil people say he's not doing anything. On the other side, we got Christians saying, well, where's God doing the good stuff? He's not doing anything over there. So he's not doing anything. It's almost like it's that middle point where where is God? Because he's not doing either one. If he doesn't address the evil and he doesn't address the good, we think that God's not doing anything. But Zephaniah points out something that's very important that many of us have forgotten. That God is exactly where He said he would be. You cannot make a judgment on God based on what you see with good or evil. But God is exactly where he said he would be. Where is that, Pastor Jody? He's right in the middle of everything going on with you. You ever wonder why there's so many verses in the Bible about, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Lo, I will be with you always, even unto the end of the age. That means he's in the middle of everything with you. Why would he have to say that? Because he knows that you and I will forget he is still with me. It's great when you start out. Oh, I get the warm and fuzzy feeling. I come to church, get saved, and I feel the, whoo, man, I feel Jesus. Yes, amen. That's that's all easy. It's always easy when you got that and you come through a a trial and you got a victory. That's great. Those are great things, man. But what do you do when you're in the middle of it and you're not seeing anything? That's when you have to remember he's with you always. And so Zephaniah says this, therefore I live, says the Lord of hosts. This is Zephaniah 2.9. He says, the God of Israel says, surely Moab, these are the evil ones, if you will. These are the people that came against Israel. But Moab will be like Sodom and the sons of Ammon. This is what be there of Jordan today. Like Gomorrah, a place possessed by nettles and salt pits and a perpetual desolation. Now, if you know where this is, this is referring to the Dead Sea. If you go there today, and I don't have time to get into all that, but if you go there today, it looks like a meteor pretty much just hit the earth right there. It's the lowest point on the earth as far as in land. It is, I can't remember how many hundreds of feet below sea level it actually is. The sea can't get to it because of the mountain range, but it's the lowest point. It's nothing but a, a salt, salt content is there that uh, they're saying, I think it's like if you were to accidentally drink a half a cup of it, it'd probably kill you. That That's the content of it. It is so unbelievably strong. And there's nothing there. Now, the funny thing is to me, it says the remnant of my people will plunder them and the remainder of my nation will inherit them. And this is the funny thing. The only thing there that is hilarious to me is not one thing. There's no crops. There's nothing there. The only thing that's here is a couple of businesses run by Jewish people and a beauty and skincare that has figured out how to make money off that salt content in the earth. (laughs) And it's owned by Israel. They took the thing 
that God said, these people, because they messed with you, it's going to come down on them one day. But guess what? You're going to inherit it. And that's exactly what they did. And they actually make money off the destruction that took place. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. Only Israel could make that happen. But it says, watch, it says, verse 10, this they will have in return for their pride because they have taunted and become arrogant against the people of the Lord of hosts. The Lord will be terrifying to them. For he will starve all the gods of the earth, and all the coastlands of the nations will bow down to him, every one from his own place. And it is exactly the way that God said. When you think about getting to your destination, no one really thinks about planning out the middle of it. They say, this is where I'm going, this is what I want to get to. But no one stops to think about how difficult sometimes the middle actually is. Sometimes we think about this, we think we're going to the promised land, we think about these people from from you know, being delivered from Egypt. And you think about us. God's going to take you to the promised land. You think, well, how do you think it's going to happen? I mean, part of the Red Sea, do you think they just floated across in a bunch of, you know, clouds of glory? Like, woo, yeah, Jesus is good. No, they hoofed it. That means, that means they walked. That means, you know what I'm saying? They walked across this on dry ground. God's very clear about this. Women, children, everything. They had to carry everything. It was a tough trick. And then for 40 years, they're in the wilderness. God could have taken them a shorter route, but he did this on purpose. Why? Because he said, if I take them in now, they will be defeated. Isn't it funny how we think in terms of God, why don't you do it right now? And sometimes God is saying, you're not ready for it. I don't want to see you get crashed and burned. I'm trying to prepare something for you, but you're not ready for it yet. I'd love to take you in and do this for you, but I can't trust you just yet because you're kind of back and forth about this thing. Or maybe he's saying, I want to do this for you, but you're just not ready. And sometimes we get mad with God. We don't say it, but we do. God, where are you at? Why aren't you coming through for me? And he might be saying, I'm coming through for you. Don't question how I'm still coming through for you. And the thing that when you see this in Zephaniah and what he's talking about, it's a very interesting verse of scripture when you think about when he says, one day they will all bow down every coastline. Every nation will bow down before the Lord. This is so funny. Watch this. In John 4, this is when Jesus meets the Samaritan woman. Do you remember his encounter with her? He, she's at the well. He's at the well. She comes up. <clears throat> and as he's there, they get in this whole conversation about Jews versus Samaritans. Who's right? Who's wrong? How do we worship? How do we do this? You know, will you give me a drink of water? Will you not? It's all this whole conversation. And he gets to the point where they are now talking about worship. He has revealed himself to her in enough where she now knows he is a spiritual individual. And he says this, John 4, verse 19. The woman says to Jesus, sir, I believe you to be a prophet. And then she questions him. Verse 20. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, talking to Samaria. In Samaria. And you people, I love how she said you people. That's what you always say when you think you're the right party. You people say, because we're right. You people said that in Jerusalem is the place where where men ought to worship. But Jesus said to her, watch this. Jesus said, woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain in Samaria nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But watch this. But an hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit And in truth, not on mountains and mountains, in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks people to be his worshipers, for God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. He's saying, listen, man, you're so wrapped up with Samaria and Jerusalem that you're forgetting something very important that Zephaniah said. One day, 
on the coastline of every nation, men and women will bow to the name of Jesus and worship him. How's that going to happen? Through the resurrection. But at this time, they're still fighting over the destinations. It started in Jerusalem. No, we're supposed to be in Samaria. They forgot that God's trying to do something with them. They're looking at the, we talk about this all the time, the Alpha and the Omega. That's great. He's the beginning and he's the end. Well, hey man, you know what? How do you get to the end unless you go through the middle? He's just not at the start and the finish line. He's with you all the way. And he says to her, this place that you've got hung up in your mind isn't about a location geographically. It's about a location spiritually. It's wherever my name is. It's wherever my place of worship is. I will be there in the midst. That's why Jesus said, if any two or three, where is he? In the midst. Zephaniah actually calls it this in Zephaniah 3. He says this, the Lord thy God in the midst of you is mighty. It's important to understand that because we think in terms like this. God is somewhere over in Jerusalem. He's not really here. No, he's here. He definitely is here. You just have to remember that he's with you. That he's not just in the beginning. It's so funny. Paul even says this and others. He says something to this effect. Think about this if you've read this somewhere. He says, for God is the author and the of your what? Well, if he's the finisher, then that means he didn't just write chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3, and then skip 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. No, he's with you writing the chapters right now. He's not going to leave you hanging in the middle of the, the authorship of the book right now. He's with you. It's funny when we think about these other verses that we read these, we just don't think about the concept of it. He says this. He says, you know what? We are to be like those of old, the patriarchs of old. He says, who through faith, oh yes, I'm a person of faith. Praise the Lord. That's great. Watch this. And patience. Oh, no, not patience. No one likes, to, you know, if you ever really heard a preacher preach on patience and was really excited about it, no. Because ain't no preacher going to like, let's talk about patience today. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Let's get excited about it. Nobody's excited about having patience. We want the results now. But he says, if you want the promise, through faith and patience, they inherited the promise. I'm telling you, God is with you in the middle. He's not just at the start and at the end. With Elijah, you think about Elijah, a couple of them just going to throw out at you. God was with him all the way, but we think in terms that God leaves us. Elisha is told to go to the brook Cherith. And when he gets there, God sustains him through water from a brook and meat from ravens. It brings him meat from that's a whole nother story but anyway the birds bring him meat and he is there with water and meat and he's sustained and all of a sudden one day there's no more water there's no more meat and most christians this is what most christians do i understand what i did wrong i've been serving god all my life why is there no water you know why, why why did god where is god and god said to elijah it's time for you to get up time for you to move on Time to go to this little town. This little widow woman is going to sustain you now. What? Well, well I like the I like the birds and the water, and it was I felt like you know a Bass Pro Shop event here was going on. Man, I'm like fishing. I got it going on. I got some beef jerky over here. I'm fishing over there. God, this is a great deal. Why? Because God isn't just at the start of something. He's not just at the end of something. He's taking care of you in the middle of something too. He never left you. He's never forsaken you. But he's right in the middle of all of it with you. And if we don't understand this, we forget that God is with us. We forget we're either looking too far back at what we had or too far ahead at what we don't have and forget he's right 
here right now with me and with you. You know how you do? You're praying for something for God to come through for you. And you're so looking ahead. And that's great. You should have faith and look ahead. But you know how you can get so focused on that that you forget that he's with you right now? That the peace of God that passes all understanding is not intended for you to look ahead and go, well, someday when I get to glory, then I'll have peace. No, right now, in the midst of suffering and pain and issues that you may be facing, the peace of God that passes all understanding is yours. It's not for later on. People talk about all this stuff that's for heaven. Why do you need that in heaven? Heaven has nothing to be afraid of. There is no reason to need peace in heaven. It is filled with peace. You need it right now. So this is where we miss the right now. So this is where Haggai comes in. Now Haggai, he's a very interesting guy. Again, like I said, he's the first prophetic writing. Now we've shifted from God is saying, this is what's going to happen. I'm with you in the middle of it. After Babylonian captivity, he starts to talk about something a little bit different. And watch what he says here. This is Haggai chapter 2. In verse 1, it says, On the 21st of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel. This is the, this is the governor at the time there, okay? Uh, he's in Judah. And it says, To Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, he's the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, So who's he speaking to? The remnant of the people. And watch what he says. Watch what he says. Who is left among you who saw the temple in its former glory? So what's he asking them to do? Go back and think about it. Did you see it when Solomon built it? Who's around you that's seen the glory of that temple then? And how do you see it now? Does it not seem to you like nothing in comparison? But now take courage, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Take courage also, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And all you people in the land, take courage, declares the Lord. And watch this. And work, for I am with See, God never left them. Even in captivity, he was with them. He said, take courage. It means get some strength about you, man. We got some stuff to do. And I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. As for the promise which I made for you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit is abiding in your midst. Do not fear. For the Lord says, for war in a little while, I'm going to, watch this, shake the heavens and the earth and the sea also and on dry land. I will shake, twice he says this, all the nations, and they will come with the wealth of nations and will fill this house with, and by the way, if you don't know anything about Israel, that has definitely happened today. The nations have, Israel is one of the most wealthiest nations in the world. More uh, uh, science and more business comes out of Israel than you can even imagine. God has returned the wealth of the nations to that nation. And it says this, I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. And then he says this, interesting enough. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. But the latter glory of this house will be greater than the former. And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. The funny thing is when he says, it, he, he's going to be shaking some things. I'm shaking some stuff. I'm going to shake the nations. And as a Christian, is it not true? It almost like has surprised us. I mean, we're just shocked at the past year. What possibly, why would, what happened? And yet the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, you know, that's the book for me. It tells me so, these things. I will, watch this, shake everything except the United States of America. Because those guys all, this, God's on their money. 
So therefore, I can't shake them. No, I'm going to shake all the nations. And I was telling somebody the other day, this funny thing is, now at least you know what you got to work with. God's kind of shaking some stuff up, man. He's saying, I'm going to shake stuff to the point where you're going to find out what's what. No more this pretending to be a Christian. No more cultural Christianity. You just get away with it in Rome, Georgia, saying, well, I love Jesus. I'm a Christian. No, no, no. I want to shake stuff to the point where you're going to find out who's real and who's not. It's going to come out. And no more of this guy. Well, you know, I mean, that's not what I, it don't matter what you believe. It don't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what you say about denomination, non-denomination. It don't matter about any of that. What matters is my word. And where do we line up with that? That's what really matters. And Haggai says, or Haggai, he says this, the silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord. And watch this. He talks about his house being in ruins. Now our house isn't in ruins. This is a great place. Our church is beautiful. Um, you guys take well, this is, by the way, this is your church, not my church. You take good care of your church, and I appreciate that. But isn't it true when you go by a church that you see that is empty or absent of people or run down? Does it not do something to you? Does not something in you, it bothers me. There's a church, I'm going to tell you where, there's a church that's been empty for years. If I had the money, they only want like 250000 If I had the money, I would have bought it. And I would have done something with it. I just, you know, didn't have the budget for that. But I, I don't even think about it. How can I, what can I, guess what? I can't stand to see a house of worship in ruins. Because that's where the Lord's presence is supposed to be. It should do something to us when we see that and pray for it. And the word of the Lord, the Bible says this from Haggai. He says this, that in Haggai chapter 2 and verse 20, when the word of the Lord came a second time to Haggai on the 24th day of the month saying, speak to Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, saying, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. Guess what includes in that? Churches, Christians, businesses, everybody gets shaken. And what happens is, we're not careful as Christians. God starts us out. That's why church plants are so exciting. Our buddies who started churches, man, and I took one over. I told them, I said, man, I wish I'd have started one. I'll tell you one thing. Right about now, taking one over, I think, it's just all kind of dynamics. At least when you start, it's on you, you know. You want it to be, you know, green walls, whatever. It's all on you. It's your fault, your decision, whatever. When you take one over, you're kind of figuring out what... Okay, that wasn't my decision. I've just got to try to work with what's going on. I'm sorry you're crying. Why are you crying? I didn't do it. I'm just trying to help out. It's just a weird thing, right? But what happens is when the house becomes in ruins, when it gets shaken, it's because people forget that God's with you in the beginning. He's with you in the end, but he's still with you in the middle. And you don't stop the work of God just because some things got shaken. We don't stop being people of faith just because other people decided they're not following the Lord anymore. We don't quit being who God's called us to be just because people around are saying it's unpopular anymore. You stand with the Lord through, we call it the thick and the thin, you stand with God in the middle just like you did at the beginning and the end because he's with you in both. The thing that he, he says this in Haggai, he says, I'm going to shake some stuff. Now, in Hebrews, it says this, and I'm going to wrap up with these last thoughts. In Hebrews, this is what the author says. See to it that you don't refuse him who is speaking. For if those, this is Hebrews 12, 25. If those did not escape when they, uh, 
refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape who turn away from him who warns from heaven. And his voice shook the earth then, but now he has promised, saying, watch this, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. This expression, yes, once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken. Think about it for a moment. It's going to remove some stuff which can be shaken as of created things. So that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. And then he goes on, therefore, since we have received, this is so good. It's better than you think it is right now, I'm telling you. This, we have received a kingdom which cannot be that right there was worth coming to church for. If you get nothing else today, you are a part of something that no matter how much the nations are shaken, his church, it, you don't have to have brick and mortar, a wall. It doesn't matter about any of buildings. That is irrelevant. That's a place to keep us out of the rain and keep it kind of cool in the middle of hot July, Georgia weather. I mean, do the best you can. Air conditioners right now are sweating themselves. Oh, Lord, they got a church fan out there by the air conditioners. Please help me, God. Get them out of church because it's so hot trying to keep up. But you're in, a, you're in a church, an organization that Jesus said, I'm building. And the very gates of hell will not prevail. See, you for, we forget about that. We forget about that. We forget when things get shaken around us and things go south. And things happen. We, we think, oh, oh, what's happening? Oh, my goodness. Oh, you forget you're a part of something that no matter how much it's shaken everywhere else, God's not moved. He said, my word is established in heaven. And I have exalted my word even above my name. Why would he do that? Because, man, if your word's no good, your name is no good. And so everything else can get shaken around you, but we have received a kingdom which cannot be shaken. So watch, he says, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and all. For our God is a consuming fire. Now, as I wrap up today, I want you to think about this for a moment. If it hasn't been shaken yet, it might have gotten burned up. If you hadn't experienced either one of them, God's shaking stuff. He's consuming fire. And when some things you look around and go like, well, what happened to that? Maybe it got shaken. Maybe it got consumed. But Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians this. 1 Corinthians 3.11, he says, For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now watch next. Come on. I know we have Christians love the blessing, but just, this is Bible. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold or silver, now, who does all the gold and silver belong to? I, he said, I own it all. So he said, if any man builds with gold and silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it because it's to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each of the man's work. And if any man's work which is built remains, he will receive a reward. Yet if any man's work is burned up, He'll suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so is through fire. Do you not know, watch this, that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit dwells in you? So when Haggai talks about, hey, you're building silver and gold, and he says, look, pick up and and clean up my temple, think about today what he's talking about. Maybe God's shaking things up. So that people of faith will look around and say, what am I building with? Because if this is getting consumed over here and this getting left, it's an indicator that God is so graciously giving us to say, that really wasn't getting anywhere anyway. You know, that really wasn't doing a whole lot for the kingdom anyway. 
Don't worry about it. But this over here has got fruit. So I want you to get your attention off of that which is being consumed. It's not doing you any good anyway. And put your attention over here to something that is fruitful and keep building on this. But don't worry about that. He says this, he says, if any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him for the temple of God is holy and that is what you are. Let no man deceive himself. For if any man among you thinks that he is wise in this age, he must become foolish so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness before God. For it is written, he is the one who catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the reasonings of the wise that they are useless. So God has a way of knowing stuff. And he uses things at times. The shaking of nations. I don't know of a time in history, especially in our generation. You might go back and say, well, the, the Spanish flu or the influenza outbreaks and all this other stuff. I don't know of a time in history that nations were shaken to their core as this last year. And I wonder if as Christians we're really looking at it and asking the question as to why. Where's God in what's happening and where's God right now? Not in the end and not last, you know, year or two years ago or three years. You know, when you came to Christ and you remember this whole experience when you had a moment with God, that's great. But God's not just with you in the really emotional song that you sang in church. He's with you when it's dry as all get out. And he's going to be with you in the end too. And so I want you to hear this today. So things got shaken. Maybe God was just trying to do a purification process. Maybe God looked around at his church and said, you know what? I'm tired of hay and stubble. I'm tired of like this stuff these guys are building with. I'm about to put some testing out there. I'm about to shake some stuff, put a little fire to it and see what's left. We don't like that. <laughs> We're like, Because ah, it exposes us a little bit. It exposed us as a ministry. I'll be the first to admit it. it exposed us. Say, well, man, that wasn't really doing much anyway. It looked real good. Real fancy lot. Man, it's wow. Man, I put a lot of work in that. Well, better to know now than then. Thank God for that, right? So now I'm going to pray for you. Here's what I want you to hear. That the Lord is with you. I know some of you right now, you're praying for big things. You're praying for stuff. You're praying for God to fix some stuff, to stop some stuff, to fix a lot of things that are going on. Because a lot of us are still feeling the effects of, maybe you're not, but a lot of us are still feeling the effects of what's happened. We're, we're Some of us, business owners, different ones, we're dealing with some things on the back end that you may not be dealing with, but many of us are. And you're wondering, well, when is this going to change? When it's gonna stop? God's with us in the middle. He's not just at the start and the end. He's right in the middle with us all. And we just got to be faithful throughout, trust in the Lord, and trust that he's going to bring us through. So right now I want to pray for you. Why don't you close your eyes and bow your head just for a moment. I know some of you are here right now, and <clears throat> I just feel like in my heart you just need to hear this, that the Lord is with you. He is with you. And so, Father, I just thank you so much, God, that you're with us. <clears throat> Lord, you are with us in everything that we go through. God, you didn't just initiate something. You didn't just start a good work in us, but, God, you are going to see it through to the end. And so I thank you, Lord, today that you remind people that you are with us, that you have never left us, never forsaken us, but you gave your Holy Spirit to be with us everywhere we go. 
Not so we came in on church on Sunday morning and leave and forget where you are, but you walk with us every step of the way, Father. I pray in Jesus' name that you would help remind our church today, the people in this room, that you are with us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are with us. God, remind a family here today, Lord, that you're still with them in their marriage. God, you've never left them. You've never forsaken them. God, you're with people right now in their finances. You're with people right now in their health, God. In Jesus' name, you've never left them. You've never forsaken them, but you are with them. Regardless of what they've seen around them, no matter what they've experienced or what's fallen around them, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord. You'd strengthen them and give them courage today that you are still with them. In the name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, anybody watching online right now that does not know you, they've never accepted you as their Savior, I pray today that they would receive you as their Lord and Savior. With your eyes closed and no one's looking around right now, I just want to pray this prayer with you. Our church is going to pray with you as well. But if you're here, you don't know Jesus, you've never accepted Christ, or maybe you're here or watching online and stuff's been shaken so much that you've just realized, you know what? Maybe I got caught up in a little cultural Christianity myself. Today would be the day that you yield your heart to Jesus 100%. doesn't mean you're perfect. doesn't mean you're going to get everything right. It just means your heart is given to the Lord. So we're going to pray this prayer. You just pray after me and with this church right now. Say, Dear Jesus, I come today and I give you my heart. <clears throat> I give you my life, Lord. I ask you to help me to live for you to forgive me and to lead me to guide my life like a good shepherd. I'll follow you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Man, if you pray that prayer, we're so proud of you, church. Right, give me a hand, would you? If you pray that prayer right now, uh, there's a little something on your screen, connect.cornerstonerome.com. You can fill out that little card right there or online. If you will do that for us, we'll help you get started walking with God, get you some materials, get you some things to help you. Um, if you're watching online, same thing as well. Uh, we'd love to help you get started walking with God. Um, today, so we opened up uh, kids and all the kids' classes opened up finally today, elementary as well. So that's really, really excited for us. Now, some of you guys who have elementary children, that's a big blessing for you. And so I want to encourage you, when you leave today, I don't know if it's raining or not, can't tell. I know it's not raining hard because if it was, you'd hear it. So, and that's not that bad. But if you have children, here's what I'd love for you to do. Some wonderful folks that are ministering to your children. And we want to make sure that we create a culture that we understand that you don't have child care workers. There's a difference if we hire somebody to come over and just help us with an event and they're playing with your kids. That's not what this is. On Sunday morning, these are ministers of the gospel that are pouring the word of God into your children. They are not babysitting. I want to make sure we understand that. So when you go over there today, you thank them for giving an echo to your family. That your kids don't go, yeah, mom, okay. So They're hearing it from somebody else, the same thing. They echo what you're teaching your family. So thank them today, okay? Love on somebody over there. Thank them, be patient, because it's probably different today. But thank them and say, I appreciate what you're doing for my family. Just tell them that. It, it means the world to people who pour into your family. It, it just does. So I want to encourage you that. Tell them thank you today. Before we go, let me speak this over you. Why don't you stand to your feet? Let me speak this over you before you go today. This is found in Numbers chapter 6. <clears throat> this is the Lord's blessing. And the scriptures say that whenever Aaron and his sons speak this over the congregation, that the Lord says he himself 
will bless them. So found in number six, it says this, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Man, God bless you so much. We love you guys. We'll see you next week. God bless you. You're dismissed. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.